ESU begins NCAA tournament play tonight in the first four at Dayton against Nevada. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And for the latest on Nevada, we're now joined the sports zone by Chris Murray of uh, NevadaSportsNet.com. And Chris, good to have you on the show. Uh, Steve Alford's team finished uh, 22 and 10. Lost the last three games, uh, you know, placing them on the bubble according to America's bracketologist. And I, I, I watched some Nevada during the season. I kind of moved on after the loss to UNLV, and then they lost to San Jose State in the Mountain West Conference tournament. So I need to ask: Are you surprised that Nevada made the tournament, the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I would say slightly. I mean, they did have a very strong first 29 games, but the way it ended, they lost to last place Wyoming, they lost their rival UNLV in overtime, and then they lose. Uh, in the first round of their Mountain West tournament against San Jose State, which is a 20-win team, but that's not a quality, quality team. That's a CBI team. So you're talking about back-to-back quad three losses, and then you don't uh, win a game in your conference tournament. So they were certainly probably on the wrong side of the bubble. I think what played in their favor is the fact that there were zero bid stealers. No uh, teams won their conference tournament that weren't expected uh, to make it into the NCAA tournament. And then just in general, the bubble teams outside of Arizona State and Penn State, they didn't show up for their conference tournaments as well. So that all adds up to Nevada getting the last at-large spot. And we'll see if they can turn around their recent play. Because before the last five or six game stretch, they were a very strong NCAA tournament-deserving team. But really over the last five or six games, not just the last three, they have not played very good basketball. Okay, so obvious question then after that comment, what happened in the last three? I think it's a mix of things, to be honest with you. Nevada has three really good players, three all-conference players. Jared Lucas, formerly of Oregon State. Uh, Keenan Blackshear, formerly of Florida Atlantic. And Will Baker, formerly of Texas. So when those guys all score in double figures this year, Nevada is 13-2. and two. They have not done that in Nevada's last six games. So they have not been able to get their three stars going all at the same time. They're very talented players. They've not gotten to the free throw line as often when Nevada shoots at least 20 free throws. They're 16-3 and three this season. They're top five in the nation in free throw percentage, and they do get to the line a lot. And then their defense, specifically the perimeter defense in the last three games, has been very, very shoddy. So it's been a mix of things. Uh, all of their star players have kind of gone through slumps over the last maybe you know three to four weeks. And then the defense, which was strong, um, has certainly been a major issue of late. We'll see if that defense can be a little bit sharper against an Arizona State team that obviously doesn't shoot the ball all that well, and I think that's going to be the most interesting matchup. Like, if Desmond Cambridge gets going, Nevada knows Des. Uh, he played for the Wolfpack the last three years. Nevada knows Warren Washington. He played for the Wolfpack the last three years. Yeah. If Des gets going, I think this is going to be a very difficult game for Nevada to win. Meanwhile, you know, a couple things statistically stand out. You mentioned, uh, you know, the three stud players there. They've got three players who started all 32 games. they got another guy that started 31 and a fifth guy who started 29 games. Uh, this is uh, rather unusual, especially this year in college basketball where there's been so many injuries. Uh, I, I guess you know, consistency, uh, especially you know, just getting on the floor, has been a big plus for them. Yeah, so they've had some injuries. I mean, their starting point guard before the start of the season, a kid named Hunter McIntosh had knee surgery, and he was thought to going to miss the whole season. He actually came back four or five games ago, and that's kind of when the tailspin has kind of started. He's kind of been weaved in 15 to 20 minutes off the bench, and the bench production has just fallen off a cliff. They have a very good backup center, a guy named K.J. Himes from down there in the Phoenix area, um, who gotten off to a great start this season and had back surgery. Uh, they had another center who had knee surgery before the start of the season, uh, who's a scholarship kid. So they were at one point down to eight scholarship players. Mm. They've gotten a little bit more healthy of late. But, yeah, I mean, there's a good base of talent here. We mentioned the three all-conference players. The other two starters in Nevada's starting lineup, one of them was the Mountain West freshman of the year, 
The other one made the All-Mountain West All-Defensive Team. So all five of those starters got some kind of postseason accolades from the Mountain West. So the first five is very strong. At the bench is where they're seeing some difficulties as of late as well. They have a kid named Nick Davidson, who's a freshman. Both his parents played sports for the Wolfpack. He's been very good. But outside of that, they've not gotten a big bench production punch. So, um, yeah, if they get into foul trouble, they're going to be issues because there's not a lot of depth here compared to Arizona State. But if Nevada does go up and play against, you know, its potential, they've beaten two top 25 teams this year. You know, they beat San Diego State, which is the number five seed in the tournament. Um, most of their quality wins are against Mountain West teams. You look at what Nevada did in non-conference, they were 0-2 in quad one games. That included a 13-point loss at Oregon, which obviously in the Pac-12 there. And they were just 1-1 in quad two games. Now they did take Kansas State, uh, a very high seed in the tournament, into overtime mm-hmm. on a neutral site. But... The big question about Nevada for me is can they do it against non-Mountain West schools? Because you look at their four and five records in quad one wins, all four of those wins were over Mountain West opponents. And you look at their three and three record in quad two games, again, most of that resume built on the Mountain West. And as we've seen with the Mountain West, they have not shown up for the Mountain West tournament or for the NCAA tournament. They went 0 and 4 in the big dance last year, and they're just 2 and 13 in their last 15 games in the NCAA tournament. Chris Murray in Nevada Sports.net, excuse me, currently in the sports zone. All right, they got three players that have averaged double-digit points per game, including the guards you mentioned, Blackshear and Lucas. They're also 6'6 and 6'4, respectively. Uh, what are the best traits of those two guys? Well, Jared Lucas is the shooting. I mean, he came here known as a really good three-point shooter. He was on the Oregon State Elite Eight team and started for that crew, so he's also got really good experience. What he's added to his game this year is he's getting to the line a lot more. Uh, San Diego State's coach and, and player kind of accused him of some flopping after the Wolfpack beat the Aztecs here in Reno, so you'll see him kind of craftily get his way to the free-throw line, and then he can be a very, very dangerous three-point shooter. In terms of Keenan Blackshear, he was a wing until this year. They moved him to the point guard after that injury to Hunter McIntosh, and a six-foot-six point guard who's built like a you know very athletic linebacker. Both of his parents and that's an Hall of Fame in basketball. His brother, um, Kerry, played at Virginia Tech and Florida in the NCAA tournament. His sister uh, played basketball at Alabama. She's now at Georgia Tech. So he's just built to play basketball. And when you have a 6'6 point guard, specifically going against Arizona State's 6'1 backcourt, I think that's a huge advantage. Now, he can get a little bit out of control getting to the basket, but he's kind of their go-to guy. He had a game winner against Boise State and NCAA tournament team with four seconds left. He had a game winner at the pit uh, in New Mexico to win that game as the buzzer sounded. So he's kind of their go-to guy late. With Will Baker, he's kind of their X factor. I mean, Will Baker in a game against uh, Utah State on the road and NCAA tournament team scored Nevada's first 22 points in that game in less than four minutes. This is a guy who's seven feet, started his career at Texas, can hit threes, uh, can be very good around the rim in terms of being able to have multiple moves and go over both shoulders. He's naturally a lefty. But there are also games where he just doesn't show up at all. Nevada's uh, lost to San Jose State at the Mountain West Tournament. He attempted only two shots. He scored only one point. He's not played great of late, and he'll be going against Warren Washington, obviously a very good defensive center out of the Pac-12. And those two guys were teammates the last year and a half. So, um, you know, Warren probably knows Will's prefer uh, moves. I think that's the big X factor is Will Baker. When Will Baker plays well, Nevada usually wins big. But there are certainly a lot of games, specifically away from home, where he doesn't make the kind of impact that he should as a very talented offensive step player. They shot 44% in the season. Maybe a little surprising that it's that low, quote-unquote, with Steve Alford as a coach. But as you mentioned, excellent free-throw shooting team, 79%. Not surprising with Alford there, certainly. Mm -hmm. So how would you kind of assess overall the Nevada offense? I think we're lying on the free-throw shot, to be honest. I mean, they get uh, 
top 10 in the country in terms of the percentage of their points that come from the free throw line. As I mentioned earlier, um, that record when they do get 20-plus uh, free throw attempts, very good when they don't get 20 free throw attempts just six and seven. So they're not a great three-point shooting team. Um, you know, they they have a variety of guys who they can go for. As we mentioned, Baker, Blackshear, and Lucas, they all had 28-point games this year. Like, all of these guys individually can go and win a game for you. But there's definitely series where they'll go four or five minutes without a made field goal. And if they don't get into the bonus early with, you know, seven, eight minutes left in the half, they can find some difficulty scoring. So I think a big key for this one is how Arizona State defends with his pressure defense without fouling. So I think the refs are going to play a huge part. If Nevada doesn't get to the line 20 times, I don't think they win this game. And typically you see NCAA tournament games a little bit more is allowed in terms of its physicality. Um, so I would say relying on the free throw shot, excellent free throw shooters. And probably the biggest plus is they don't turn the ball over. They were first in the Mountain West to his turnovers per game, right around 10 turnovers. Um, so I think that's another big key. Arizona State had 15 games this year where they forced at least 15 turnovers. Nevada had only four games when it turned the ball over 15 times. Now, Steve Alford did compare Arizona State to UNLV, a team that was able to turn over the Wolfpack, a team that did sweep Nevada in their two games. So maybe that doesn't bode well in terms of that athleticism and that uh, pressure defense for Nevada. But I would say good at not turning the ball over, good at shooting free throws, and then they just have a nice depth of talent in the starting lineup who can all kind of carry the offense for stretches. Excellent timing on your part. I was going to mention the turnover thing next, the 10 per game. That's 24th best in the country. I'm guessing some of this is because they got the two senior guards in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, I know Coach Alford's talked a lot about how young his team is, and he thinks that's why they've kind of gone through this three-game losing streak. They've gotten a little bit tight. Uh, That's his word, tight, in terms of knowing that an NCAA tournament kind of rests on how they played the last two weeks, and they didn't really, um, I guess, react well to that. That being said, like you said, both their starting guards are seniors. They have two more starters in their uh, lineup, uh, starting lineup, who are juniors, and Trey Coleman, who is the all-defensive player, who's a wing player, who's going to get the assignment against Des Cambridge. And then Will Baker is also a junior in his fourth year of college. So, um, you know, there's a pretty good amount of experience there. They do play two freshmen in their rotation who play, you know, probably about 50, 60 minutes per game. And like I said, that bench has not done a lot since Hunter McIntosh came back. Hunter McIntosh is a very good player, but he also played at Elon in the Colonial. So not only is he you know, trying to get up to speed after missing the first three months of the season, he's also making the jump from the Colonial up to the Mountain West, which is much more difficult. He has not had a big impact thus far, but maybe he's an X-factor coming into this game. That's a guy who's made more than 250 three-pointers in his career. If they can get a couple of three-pointers from their bench, a guy named Tyler Powell, who last year played for Seton Hall, played in the NCAA tournament, I think that will be really big for Nevada. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fairly experienced team, but I would say, and I think the coaching staff would tell you, they haven't necessarily reacted super well to the pressure of the last couple of weeks. We'll see if getting into the tournament relieves that pressure for Nevada or if that's something that they're still struggling with as the game tips off tonight. Okay, defensive side, you know, the metrics uh, like them. Uh, you know, 40 yeah. to 42nd in Ken Palm efficiency on the defensive side. So, you know, wh- wh- how would you assess their, the, the, uh, the Nevada defense heading into tonight's game against ASU? Yeah, I actually have a little bit more questions on the defense. Obviously, you look at those Ken Palm numbers, and those are really good whenever you're a top 50 defensive team. And I think that's been the biggest difference this year compared to last year. They have made a lot of gains there. They went 13 and 18 last year. Um, you know, they don't have really have like a havoc defense. They don't pressure you. They don't create a lot of turnovers. They don't block a ton of shots because their big defensive center, K.J. Himes, has missed uh, most of the year with that back injury. Um, they don't foul and put people on the free throw line a ton. 
which is probably their biggest strength, and they've defended the three pretty well. So I would say it's like kind of solid across the board, but there isn't necessarily like one standout attribute. Um, at the beginning of the season, they were winning a lot of close games against San Diego State, against New Mexico twice, uh, against Boise State. These are all really quality teams because the last five to eight minutes, they really did sharpen up defensively, and we just have not seen that over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's been the biggest difference. In crunch time, their defense has not been as solid, and they have really been burned on perimeter defense so far over the last couple of weeks. Now, the Mountain West, which is a pretty good defensive league, had only five all-conference players on its all-defensive team. Two of them hail from Nevada and Keenan Blackshear and Trey Coleman, both uh, you know big guards. So you know they've got some really good defensive players, um, but Coach Alford said the biggest issue he's seen during this losing streak has been that perimeter defense not being up to standard. So we'll see if they can get better at that because certainly Arizona State has some explosive guards. And, uh, you know, my favorite stat about Desmond Chambers that I was able to dig up is when he scores at least 18 points in a game uh, this season, Arizona State is 10-1. and one. Um, So yep. I think he's going to be the biggest key in this game because Nevada has been able to see him play the last couple of years for the Wolfpack. He can shoot you into a game and, and win a game for you like he did against Arizona on the road, like he did against USC in the Pac-12 tournament. And he can certainly shoot you out of a game. Um, so how Nevada is able to defend him on the perimeter, if he's getting to the basket and that opens up his three-point game, it's going to be a long night for the Wolfpack. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of times, you know, they've got the Warren Washington and the Cambridge factor playing in Nevada last year. You know, how do you think uh, – how's that dynamic kind of, kind of factor into this game tonight? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it's probably an advantage for kind of the defensive players because they know the tendency of the opposition. So if you're Trey Coleman and you've been defending against uh, Desmond Cambridge for the two previous years, you know his sweet spots. You know what he wants to do. So I think that's probably an edge for Nevada there. But then on the flip side, if you're Warren Washington, more of a defensive-oriented player going against Will Baker, and you can shut down Will Baker because you know how he likes to have the ball in the post and his favored moves. Um, you know, I think that that's probably an advantage for Arizona State in trying to slow down Will Baker. Um, you know, we did ask Coach Alford yesterday. He said he doesn't know if anybody has an advantage because obviously Dez and Warren know our offense, and if they want to share that with uh, Bobby Hurley, uh, they better hope that we haven't changed anything. So, um, you know, maybe that does make Nevada a little bit more comfortable going against guys that they've you know played against in practice the last couple of years. Obviously. He's got a mid-major against a power conference school, and there can be perhaps a little bit of intimidation there. Going against guys you're familiar with and you know you match up with, maybe that helps Nevada feel a little bit more comfortable in this game. But it is a fun storyline. Uh, you know, we talked with Des and Warren yesterday, and uh, you know both of them are really looking forward to it. I know Des and Trey Coleman exchanged some texts. I think they were the only ones who did do so. So, um, you know, everybody said they're still friendly, but certainly – uh, when they got on the court, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you know, Trey Coleman said, when I'm on the court, it's blood. So, uh, you know, we'll see uh, which of those friends uh, reign supreme. But, you know, certainly after the game, there'll be a lot of uh, hugs and uh, I think appreciation for the fact that both of these, uh, you know, kind of sides got to play on such a big stage. ASU uh, has been uh, at best inconsistent from behind the arc this <laughs> season. And more than once, they've struggled against zone defenses. Now, Alford played for Bob Knight, who almost never played zone back in the day. I'm curious was whether Alford and Nevada, they play any zone? They have, actually, this year. Yeah, that's not their preferred style, um, but they have thrown in a 1-3-1 zone. I'd say, you know, maybe 10% of its possessions. Haven't seen it a ton of late, but you look at Arizona State splits, and I, I you know, have predicted that they probably will play some zone because the team that shoots 41% from the field and 31% from three and not great from the free throw line, so... 
Um, you know, that opens you up to some offensive rebound opportunities for Arizona State. You know, Warren Washington might be able to have a nice game if Nevada is throwing its zone out there and, um, you know, gets a chance to get some second-chance points. So there's certainly some risk there. But their zone has been fairly effective. So I would not be surprised if you do see some zone. I don't think they will open up in that. Um, but certainly if they're having some difficulties with penetration and, uh, you know, they, they want to dare Arizona State to beat them from deep, um, that might be something that you see. So, yeah, it's usually the 1-3-1. And Nevada has pretty good length, as you mentioned. I mean, a 6-6 point guard, a 6-4 shooting guard, a 6-7 mm-hmm. wing player, another 6-7 wing player, and a 7-foot center. So um, there is really good length to be able to stick in a zone and still make things difficult. All right, so we've covered a few things here. Anything else that uh, you think will be keys to the game as far as who wins tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think Arizona State's pressure defense against Nevada's ability not to turn the ball over is, is obviously big. Um, you know, if Nevada's turning it over, they're going to, uh, you know, be in for a long night, but they haven't really done that all that much. I mean, the most curious thing for me is just how both of these teams kind of handled the spotlight because Nevada has not handled it well over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we'll see if, if they can get back to their midseason form. I think they win this game. They were playing really well in the middle of the Mountain West season. They were beating NCAA tournament teams with regularity. And they haven't even looked like a CBI team the last three weeks. I mean, they'll tell you, well, two of the games went to overtime and we were beating UNLV, uh, you know, with a couple minutes to go. But the bottom line is you lost to the worst team in the Mountain West in Wyoming. You lost to a UNLV team that was very poor in Mountain West play. And then you lost to a San Jose State team that you beat by 25 points and 17 points in the regular season. There's no way that game should have been close in the conference tournament. So can Nevada refine its form from earlier in the season when it was playing really good basketball or will it kind of continue the same form we've seen of late? If it's the second of those two, they're going to lose this game by double digits. But if they can get back to what they were and they can feel a little less, less pressure and get all three of those stars going at the same time, get them all in the double figures, I think Nevada has a very good chance of winning this game. But, yeah, ultimately it's a, it's a coin flip, and I think it's going to come down to can Arizona State hit some threes and create some turnovers and from Nevada's perspective is can they get to the free throw line and maybe get some offensive rebound opportunities because Arizona State has not been very strong at the uh, defensive block this season. Okay, so time to flip the coin. Who wins tonight? Uh, I did pick Nevada. I just put my three keys in prediction out there. I have Nevada 69-67, so uh, we'll, we'll see if that's correct. I'm generally pretty strong, but I've ridden with the Wolfpack these last three games, and they've lost, so maybe I'm going down with the ship on this one. But, uh, you know, I, I, it, it, I think Nevada's just happy to be into the tournament, not in terms of they're happy to be there and they're cool with whatever happens. I think um, they felt a lot of pressure late, and they're played – um, you know, suffered because of it. And I do think you'll see a better effort uh, in this game than you were able to see really how they played the last couple of weeks. Great stuff, Chris. Have fun. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay. Take it easy. You too. Chris Murray of NevadaSportsNet.com. Excellent stuff there.